Dolomiti Sound Stories Io sono Riccardo Insam, vivo qua in questa zona, cioè in Val Gardena. I'm Riccardo Insam, I live in this area, in Val Gardena, and now we're headed towards the Alpe di Siusi plateau. We're going by cable car. This plateau covers approximately 55 square kilometers, or 5,500 hectares, and it is the largest plateau in Europe. Allora noi siamo adesso usciti dalla cabinovia e ci troviamo sui primi bei prati qui dell'Alpe di Siusi. So we just got out from the cable car and we find ourselves in one of the beautiful meadows here in the Alpe di Siusi. We can already spot some flowers. Here is the Euphrasia or Eyebright. Do you see this little flower? It's about 7-10 centimeters long. It's nice. It contains some substances that are used in preparations for the eyes, to protect the eyes. It contains iridina, and usually every eye preparation contains some euphrasia. Flowering in the Alpe di Siusi is very particular because here there are two different kinds of soil that you can't find everywhere. So there's an acid soil derived from the volcanic events that we have had in the Ladinian era and then dolomitic calcareous soils. So we have blooms that prefer either one land or the other or even both. In the central Alps, where we only have acid soils and flowers grown in calcareous soils don't exist, but we have a multitude of flowers, and botanical experts from all over the world come to see them, from Japan to Argentina. They've all been here to study them and have also written exceptional books on this splendid flowering. Una escursione 
Molto particolare e speciale è quella del Monte Casella di dentro e fuori. The rather special and unusual excursion to do is Monte Casella. Casella inside and Casella outside, which is in Sesto. Starting in Val Fiscalina, you go up the Casella mountain from the inside. There are some beautiful fields full of flowers. Above all, you can find these very unusual and rare orchids and also lilies. In the right period, towards the beginning of July, mid-July, the fields are full of flowers. Also with these particular lilies, the martagon species. The farmers that have the lodges up there are three and they cut the grass once a season. The grass is cut at the end of August. It's dried out, it's collected and brought down into the village by helicopter because the access to the village is very steep so they have adopted this choice. Even if the cost is much higher, it's less of a risk. The hay was sold to the hotel owners for the hay bus. Some also make grappa with it, hay soup, or even meat is prepared with the hay to bring out some more unusual flavors. The reason for which we have these particular blossoming of flowers is because the lawns aren't treated with anything. There's no fertilizer used. In a meter square, we have a blossoming of 30 different flowers, short, tall. There is a white orchid that you cannot find anywhere else, only here on Monte Casella. And if you're lucky, and you go there in the right period, you'll see it. And then it's all pink, fuchsia, a fuchsia lawn. So people that go up to Monte Casella during the blossoming remain speechless. And then you are also in altitude and there is a beautiful view. People throw themselves on the floor to take photos, to get everything in the shot, the flowers behind the mountain. It's lovely and people like it a lot. It's a bit of a secret place because the trail is very steep to get there. And then there is the trail down, which is very steep too. And it's not for everyone. Then there aren't any places to eat. And that too puts people off going because they don't have the possibility to eat. There are no services of any kind. And so they avoid it for that reason. But that's the good thing. You take everything you need in your backpack and you bring everything back down with you. You don't leave rubbish in the trail. One has to always explain and remind people where we are. We're not in the city. We must respect nature. People are always asking, where am I throw this rubbish away? And I say, no, not Matt, that there's up, that we take down with us. And I repeat it until they fully understand. Here, at the end of March, there's usually a beautiful flowering of crocuses right in this area, and then a flowering of muscari. This is the seasonal succession. I use this expression. The blooming season begins with crocchi and soldanella and ends with euphrasia and gentianella, which also rhymes in Italian. The last ones are the autumn blooms. 
I'm Cesare Lazen. My surname comes from the hamlet in which I was born, in a rural house which was the furthest from the village. So there was no road, no electricity, there was no services at all. Being born there deeply influenced my education, growing up in a poor immigrant family. My family moved to Milano shortly before I started primary school, and I lived there and first became an industrial chemist. I continued my education specializing in biological sciences with a focus on nature, not a medical one, because I especially liked vegetables, botany and ecology. I was working and studying at the same time, so not being able to attend laboratories during normal hours, nevertheless I managed to build a curriculum that allowed me to develop a training in a predominantly naturalistic and ecological field, as if I were a graduate in natural sciences rather than biological sciences. Currently, I wrote around 300 publications and I've started working on setting up a herbarium. The herbarium is made of dried plants, mainly the so-called superior plants. It has more than 20,000 specimens and I continue every day to research and to study because nature teaches me that we must never stop, that it changes continuously, it keeps on evolving. Everything related to nature conversation falls within my field of expertise. That's why I'm concerned about certain situations emerging in very recent years. I find them worrisome for the health of our planet, for the common good and for future generations. Just to make an example, the current rate of extinctions. It actually concerns also plants, not only animals. This process goes at an absolute worrying pace. For every initiative, we must always see the different sides of the coin, as nature itself teaches us when it's faced with certain behaviors in certain situations. We've had the Vaya storm here. We've had extreme climate events. Now we have the bark beetle. Woods are very important, but there are those who still advocate to increase the use of forests because we buy wood from abroad because we need it. So there's a problem of quantity, but there's also a problem of quality. No one denies that forest resources must be used, but ancient forests must be safeguarded as well. Old growth forests, for example, which are very important. So to preserve the natural balances, we could cut the woods better and more locally. Mountain hamlets must not be isolated and suffocated by woods. 
there are also many animals that need clearings and meadows. Then why do we no longer mow like in the past, and there's only an unregulated form of grazing, which causes enormous landscape damage? This, once again, gives an idea of the complexity of all these factors that impact the landscape, the future, the economy, our society and future generations. We must look for a solution in nature, which has always something to teach us. So from time to time, area by area, we have to find the most suitable solution to address a problem, trying to get more information, to study, to grow, to learn more for the common good and for the future of the new generations. So now that we're walking and we just took this path, which then leads from Compach to Malgariche and then towards Salteria, we pass in front of two beautiful structures of, let's say, rural culture. Here before our eyes, we have a small hut, large more or less, four by five meters, and then there's a barn that isn't even that big. That's because here we don't need much grass and hay, so there's no need for very large barns, like down in the valley. And what were these two buildings for? So when it was time to mow, you had to go up all the way to the Alp on foot. If someone had an ox or a horse, well, lucky him. If not, the only way was going up on foot with the whole family. The small cabin was used for cooking, the barn for sleeping. Then you had to stay there until the lawn was completely mowed and the hay put into the barn. No one had the strength to carry the hay down right away. So you had to wait for the winter, when there was snow, so you could go down with the sheet of hay on the sledge and take it down to the valley. Luckily, January was always the month where it snowed the least in winter. Otherwise, it would have been a problem, because with maybe two or three meters of snow, who would be able to reach the barns to get the hay? The whole situation at the time was very harsh. Nowadays, the hay goes straight down into the loader. It's no longer put into the barns in the farms, in the valley barns, of course. So the barns here are empty now, but you never know anyway. Let's hope there won't come a time when we have to use them again, because there's no more diesel or the machineries are not working.
lavora in rifugio che si trova ogni giorno a contatto con molte persone. Whoever works in a mountain refuge comes into contact with a lot of people and has to, for the most part of the time, answer a lot of questions. Some are about the trails, others the history. Some are even curious about questions of a personal nature about the workers as well as logistical ones. And it's up to each one of us to decide how to reply based on each one's knowledge. Sometimes we decide to not tell the whole truth. And in my case, it happened this summer that on the windowsills of our refuge, we planted some Edelweiss, which we actually bought from the garden center. And they were really beautiful and lush. And lots of people photographed them and asked if it was possible to see them in nature and if there were places where they could admire them and photograph them, we would hope without picking them. But we can't know this. To these questions, I answered saying that unfortunately the land is very worn down nowadays and it's difficult to spot in nature Edelweiss. And so it's better to be happy with a nice photo of our vases. But truthfully, an Edelweiss grows just a few steps away from the refuge. I saw it whilst I was walking by and I was picking up a bit of rubbish that accumulates, unfortunately, on the top of a mountain. It was a bit squashed, but it was there by itself. Naturally, everyone from the refuge had seen it. We knew exactly where it was, but I didn't tell anyone where it was. Sometimes it's better not to reveal everything. It's better to leave everybody the time and the possibility to find the things by themselves. If they want to, naturally, it would be enough just to open your eyes a bit and look attentively at the landscape around the refuge to notice the little Edelweiss. Here they are, the moles. We still have hazelnuts to harvest. Right here, the wind knocked some plants down and made them fall into the field. I still have to fix them. This is an important issue, the fact that because of climate change, sometimes we no longer know the season well. So my conclusion is that also plants have become confused. Normally a plant has its cycle, it grows, germinates, blooms, then when it matures, it produces seeds. If it's a perennial plant, it will be preserved for several years. If it's an annual one instead, well, you have to hope that the seed will germinate the following year. Sometimes it's true there is a difficulty. During this year, there are areas in the Dolomites where I've seen early blooms, others where I've seen late blooms. 
and also other areas where the different blooms have mixed. It's difficult to follow a pattern, a program, a season which is more or less normal. I believe that this is how plants respond to the stress that they continue to suffer. A perennial plant doesn't die. A tree that lives 500 or a thousand years or even more is unlikely to die from a specific cause. The cause is a series of events that lead to stress, each of which decreases the plant's resilience and reaction capacity. A bit like when you are young and then, as you get older, it becomes clear that over time, aches and pains here and there contribute to decrease overall the defenses of your organism, and the same goes for the other living organisms. Dolomiti Sound Stories is a voice production for Dolomiti Superski. Narrator voices, Margherita Menardi and Ulrike Inerkofler. Director, Gianluca Stazzi and Paolo Barberi. Original music, Gianluigi Gallo. Sound and post-production, Gianluca Stazzi. Editing and additional post-production, Alessio Abeli. Editorial support, Elisa Cozzolino. Producers, Andrea Maltagliati and Giovanna Surace. English dubbers, Beth McCreaton and Marco Quaglia. Sorry.